Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. Uh, basically in the last season here, so we have about 14 episodes to go, so we're going to have a variety of guests come on, so we can finish it up for our 5th anniversary, our 100th episode. And this episode I brought in my friend John, who has been a regular guest fill-in on Video Night. How are you doing, John? Doing alright, and how are you doing? Oh, uh... I've been a couple days off. It was nice. It was insane at work yesterday, so I'm, uh, I watched some shitty movies last night, and uh, yes, uh, we have an upcoming episode about Hulk Hogan movies, and uh, frankly, they're the good kind of bad. I, I highly enjoyed them, even though I knew they were shit. Uh, there's one of those that I definitely love, and I would kind of love to see again. I just have to get around to doing it. Yeah, um, this episode will be discussing the Dungeons & Dragons movies, uh, the live-action ones, not the animated ones that have been popping up in here and there. But um, you were game for this, and you didn't even know there was a third one, did you? I should know there was a second one. Oh yeah, I did know there was a second one. I knew that I knew it was garbage. I just didn't have to see it to know. And then I saw it, and you know, confirmation bias confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think well, that's the thing. I'm a big nerd. I like this kind of crap. Yeah, right. Should. Well, I think the series has actually gotten better as the budget's gotten smaller. Yes, it's more amateur hour, but it's sticking closer to what Dungeons... What, in my head, a Dungeons & Dragons movie would be. Very much so. That's one of the things... I was. I saw the first film with my fiancé, and we're as we're watching it, she just goes, this isn't how you play Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> but that's the one with all the money. That's the one with the studio backing. You got Joel Silver as a producer. You got Jeremy Irons. Uh... And what was it, a $35, $40 million budget. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I knew, though, I was wise enough to know that New Line Cinema picked it up because the hype for Lord of the Rings was so big and they owned the rights to that. And I think they were just trying to test the waters to see how it would go. Uh, if I remember, they picked it up for $7 million, which is a bargain because I think it made about $35 million. Yeah, and well, the, the funny thing is the guy who directed it was the guy who got end up getting the film rights from TSR. Yeah. And it took him like 10 years to actually get this film made. And the entire time he's, you know, fighting with them about decisions too much to the point that he got kind of forced into directing it. And I feel bad for the dude in that regard. But this film is like, the only thing that really saves this film is the fact that Jeremy Irons not only chews the scenery, he chews the scenery around it. He's eating everything around him. It, it is. He's anytime he's on a screen, the film is fun. Yeah, he looks like he also got a huge paycheck. You know that he probably got five million dollars for two weeks of work, and he's like, "Well, this movie's shit, but I can buy a house with this." And you know what? I might as well have some fun doing it. Yeah, and this thing also has like Richard O'Brien at one point, who's who's actually pretty good in the film, and. I was a little surprised they didn't. I I saw this film in theaters, and but at the time I wasn't a Hoovian. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm watching this and going, "Is that Elf Tom Baker?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I don't know anything about Doctor Who really. I've only seen a couple episodes of the Eccleston season, and it just isn't my bag. My sister's crazy about it. There was before and after the the reboot. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 I only found yeah. that out during the commentary track. Back when people listen to commentary tracks. <laughs> yeah. But, oh. Watching this film, like, the first film was a slog, but the second film of this series is so boring. I don't know. I thought it was better. Okay, so here's my problem with the first movie. 
Um, I will say this. A lot of it is Courtney Solomon's fault. He is a producer. I, don't, I still don't understand how he couldn't find any directors instead of himself. That sounds like a, a, a bullshit story. Uh, well, then, I believe it, too. Yeah, I mean, he directed a movie later with Ethan Hawke called The Getaway, which I heard was just complete and absolute shit, and it basically hit the brakes on uh, Ethan Hawke's career revival because he had just come off Insidious and Purge. And everybody's like, oh, Ethan Hawke's, you know, uh, poised for a big comeback. He's doing these cool independent movies, and he does The Getaway. And it was supposed to be a Labor Day, you know, big release, and it just died on the spot. And everybody said it was Courtney Solomon's fault. He would not stop cutting, 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 to the point where the action sequences were incoherent. And he's better as a producer. He, If you look, he is the creator of After Dark Films. Uh, he did, what, three or four years of the After Dark Film Fest, where he would produce like uh, eight wait is it After Dark Film Fest or is it eight films to die for are they the same you've yeah, seen that right on the movie they'll, they'll show that on the DVD yeah I believe, yeah. Yeah, believe they're the same thing okay uh, so he's the eight, I think the eight films are like the best like the best of that film fest yeah he usually um, he usually is a good producer of like not really low budget we're not we're talking like Bloomhouse level you know around two to three you know you know um million dollar horror films and then he did a, a series of action films which all of them were pretty decent so he's a better producer than he is a director and i think he really screws this up and i think a lot of the problem is he cast his best friend justin whalen as our hero who is just dull oh yeah he he thinks that he's charming and he's not yeah but he's still 10 times better than marlon wayans Everybody felt sorry oh. for Marlon Wayans saying that he was being a minstrel and that they were, it was, they were purposely embarrassing him. I've seen Marlon Wayans act. He is that big and cartoonish, and, it, and it's, the screaming is so annoying. Well, the big problem is, is the same year he did Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. And it's such, you know, he's such so great in that film that you also see this and you go, wow, someone, you know, someone hurt you, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I will say this, there is... There is a moment in that film where he actually does get a decent thing, and that's, like, right before he gets killed. Right, the his, showdown. It, his showdown is actually, I think, actually one of his his best performance in the film, because it's, I'm going to fight you, I know I'm going to get my ass kicked sort of thing, but it's, you can, you can actually see that there's a choice being made there, an actual acting happening. Yeah, he pulls I mean, out the knife, and he's another, ready to face him down. And let's talk about Bruce Payne, because... He's the real villain. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is in it, but he's only in the very beginning and the end. Bruce Payne is the villain throughout the whole thing, and he's kind of a tragic uh, hero slash villain. Yeah, but he also has hentai tentacles for ear, well, in his ears, and he his his acting is very uh, uh ah, what's his name, Captain Kirk, the, the parody that everyone does of, of William Shatner, right? Because he doesn't know when to pause <laughs> effectively. Yeah, he was notorious. Like, he was in, like, every other time he turned around with, like, a low-budget action movie or, or fantasy movie, Bruce Payne always seemed to be there. You're like, oh, it's just that guy. Yeah, and he also turns up as the villain in the second one, and I think he's a little better in the second one. Yeah, oh, yeah. the second one, he comes back from the dead, and now he's like a Lord of the Dead or something like that, and now he's using, like, Necronomicon powers and, you know... Yeah, because yeah. he's, like, he's like a evil paladin-type character in this, and then all of a sudden, in the second one, he becomes, like, an evil mage, inexplicably. 
Yeah, and those are the only two connections. Or that's the only connection between the two films. The series basically... I mean, did I miss something in the third one? Are all these movies interrelated or they just happen to be under the Dungeons & Dragons name and it's just different tales? The first two are a little more related because it's the same town also that's being threatened, but that it's like set 100 years later. Whereas okay. the third one kind of seems to be its own little thing. Yeah, the second one... Um, like I said, the budget's much lower. Okay, so the special effects in 2 and 3 are abysmal in the way that they're supposed to be photorealistic. But I think the design work on how the dragon works, and there's like these little demon girl or zombie girl, whatever, there's little things that are very interesting visually, even though obviously someone need to do a little more rendering on all of it. Yeah, that, well, I think the third one's, the effects in it are actually pretty decent compared to the first two films. They... Yes, they're cheap, but they are they seem to fit the world a little better, whereas like two is just everyone was shot on a green screen. Yeah, yeah, screen. that was hard to deal with. And the and the first one, it's just it's just cheap effects all throughout. But the third one at least it felt like they put some money or at least uh, they took some time to try and make the effects gel with everything else yeah it's not photorealistic but it's at least it's at least appropriate right the, the the dragon in the second one that's kind of a zombie dragon i guess if you want to call it i thought the design on that was really neat and the mechanics are good i mean clearly it looked like it was almost sci-fi channel level when it comes to photorealistic yeah and that's that's probably about the best effect of that film. The problem is just kind of everything else around it, especially in that intro where they're uh, parting, parting the water to get to that cave, and it's, like, the least least convincing water effects I've ever seen. And this is a, and that one was 2005, where, you know, people have come up with decent water, you know, water effects for even the most low budget of things. Yeah. I looked at it and it said the budget was $15 million. I have a very, very hard time believing that. I feel like um, if it was $15 million, at least five of it went to the executive producers because th there's no real set pieces. Okay, so the first one, at least the production design on some of the sets, you know, especially when he actually has to go through the dungeon, um, they're interesting and they're well-made and stuff like that, but the second one is like, oh, you're just shooting this in another open field in Prague. Okay. Why did this cost so much money? <laughs> There's no names in this movie. Yeah, it's, well, both, the last two films of this thing kind of feel like they were shot in someone's backyard almost. Yeah. At times. Especially, especially uh, Dragon God. That one, I, I swear, it's just someone had a field behind them and they said, okay, we're going to set up a uh, water, a little, little bridge set. You're just going to wander around there. Okay, we're going to go here and just don't turn the camera <laughs> You'll see two kids playing in the backyard, jumping on a trampoline. Like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> do um, do you like the characters better in the second one, though? I, I, I enjoy the team. I think the female characters are stronger. It's a, it is. I think the second one has a lot of decent things in it, but as I said, it's just this film just bored me to tears. But at least with the the last two films of this, there is actual traveling. The first film, they just kind of appear in places. They just, we're, we need to go here. Oh, we're here. We need to do this. Oh, we're here. You know, and this, at least there's, oh, we're going to a place. Right. And, yeah, you have, and the problem is, I, 
never really caught anyone's name too much in these in these films because they never seemed that important. And I actually kind of like the third film, but they just kind of like okay, uh, we have we have Claire, we have we have uh, Ovaltine over here who's a uh, <laughs> mage. We have, I mean, it's like uh, yeah, okay. Uh, they at least wanted to uh, create their the archetypes from the game a little better. Right. It seemed like they want to sit close. Plus, they they stripped it of its ridiculous humor. Yeah, that was... I genuinely think that there is a good Dungeons & Dragons trilogy that could be made, but you have... But you would actually sit down and have to treat it like it's Lord of the Rings. Like, not being... Not being cheap on it. Spending money. You can actually take the Dragonlance Chronicles and turn it into a a film series, and it would do well because it's actually well thought out yeah. storyline. Well, I mean, I think that's the plan. Courtney Solomon, I believe, still owns the film rights, but he has to make a movie within a certain period of time in order to retain the rights, which I, I see that in a lot of film stuff. So I think, I'm not sure if he really wanted to keep making the Dungeons & Dragons movies or he just knew he had to make one or he would lose the rights. But it's been a long-ass well, time since the third one, so I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I guess there's they're working on one now that is supposed to be out in 2021 or something. Okay. But, yeah, it, I don't know too much about it, but I guess uh, Ansel Elgort is going to be in it. Really? I do need to hit. Yeah, I, I thought Baby Driver was really going to push him, and like the last three movies of his have just tanked. But that's like, you know, it, it's been in development hell for a while, so... Yeah. Obviously, at some point, they, someone has to make this movie if right. they're going to retain So that's, that's the interesting part about the trilogy that we're discussing today, is that so much of that movie was raised uh, internationally. Like, you look, I, like the first one was produced by Joel Silver. He can get all the American money. But then you look at the second third one, I was thinking it was I Am Global, which I think is a German company. And then they just had to, like, okay, well, this company will give us a million, this company will give us a million, you have to patchwork it. I still don't believe that the, the second one cost 15 and the third one cost 12. I've seen movies from this time period that were much, much cheaper, which had the same quality of effects. And like I said, there's hardly any production design. And they're all shot in like Paul well, Gary or Prague or something. Well, that's probably why it costs so much money is that they're keeping all the uh, the, the bad people away. So all that money is going to bribes and stuff to oh. make sure that they don't kill the cast. Yeah, that or it's, or it's it could have been a licensing thing. Do you remember why they canceled Master Universe Two? Is because Mattel wanted five million dollars for the rights. That's a lot of money back in 1988. Yeah, and I, especially considering that more recently, at least, and even within, I guess maybe 2012, Dungeons and Dragons has kind of gained in its popularity again. Has it? Okay. So, I could see, I could see that it's uh, that they would want more money out of stuff. So maybe that's one another reason why they they haven't actually made another film since you know, since this one. Were you young enough to remember the whole Satanic Panic Dungeons and Dragons thing where kids could not play it? I do remember that. I was my folks were never a part of that, but it was one of those things that was kind of oh Dungeons and Dragons is an evil thing. You know, that was just kind of, you know, in the zeitgeist. Yeah, kiss me, knights in Satan's service. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then I played it, and then it was fine, and, you know, I had a good time. Yeah, I think it was because two kids killed each other and playing, like, real-life Dungeons & Dragons or something stupid. I just remember I was really young, my mom telling me about that. But um, I've never played... I've never really played D&D. I played it once for a little bit in middle school, and I mean a little bit, like, I lasted about ten minutes. I was like, I don't understand any of this. And I'm not even a stupid person, I, and I love games, but for some reason I cannot wrap that in my head. Same thing for Magic. I play Magic the Gathering, and I'm just like, what... I don't know what to do here. <laughs> well, it's it's a very, yeah, Dungeons Dragons is a very stat-driven game where I guess they've simplified it a lot. I've been trying to get back into it because the last time I played was like over 20 years ago. Okay. So, and so you played out of the book, right? Is that is that still oh, the way they do it through the books? I played games for like my Xbox and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, you have played... If you know what you're doing after a certain point, you definitely don't need to have all the books lying around. And if someone's at being a very good DM, they can just sit down and you know have their own storyline. But there's all sorts of uh, supplemental things that you can hang out, you know, keep around you to go. Like, okay, yeah, I, oh, I've leveled up. Let me go find what the hell I need for a new. Spell. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. I got this. I'm kind of surprised so there was never a Magic yeah. Gathering movie. It seems like they would, that was such a phenomenon. You think someone would have made that? I want to say they're doing a TV series based no, on okay. it. No, okay. But that's why I was like, it's going to be on Hulu or you know Netflix or something. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, just that whole phenomenon and just being completely lost on it. I remember watching the cartoon, though, that was on CBS and thinking, this is what everybody's worried about, these kids? I don't understand. And, of course, you realize later the cartoon is barely connected to that world because it's not about kids in the book. Yeah, no, you you don't have. Oh, my my person has traveled through to a to another world and stuff. It's no, you're just playing a character based in, you know, depending on when you played, uh, could have been different worlds. Yeah. Or, you know, or oh, you can travel between them now if you get this game module, and you know, depending on the type of stuff that you like, there was very hardcore fantasy, but there was also like a, a horror module. Speaking of that, that's that's a big element in the third movie, is that it's almost a horror movie. It's so dark compared to the first two. And one of the things that kind of that I think helps that third film is that it's based off of a book. Oh, okay. Because that, that was one thing I noticed in the credits. It's like, you know, based on the book by, by the, you know, person in person. I'm like, okay, so they have a basis for, for this uh, horror. Because, yeah, it is a... It's probably the most Dungeons and Dragons story because you actually have a party who's actually doing things as a party. Yeah, and, then, and the weird thing is that they're and, mostly villains. Yeah, and it's a villain story. Yeah, you are. Uh, I will say this though: the main character on that annoys me so much because he's just such a goody goody. Even when he's doing bad things, he's you know. Like, yeah, his, it's his it's entire... the curse of these kind of movies that they feel like they need to cast some bland. Uh, 20-something white kid and it has no character and it's just like, well, he's the lead. Let's make all the other characters interesting so he can bounce off of them. It's like, no, you make them all interesting. Exactly. And it's like, so they go on, this is also, third one's also the one that has nudity and there's sex and it's like, so they go on, oh yeah, this, they're being a lot more you know, quote-unquote, mature in this one. Mm -hmm. But it's also the one that has probably the most mature storyline as well. The first time I watched it, I made about 20 minutes into it because it looked like amateur hour. And a lot of it has to do with the makeup effects. They just weren't 
they just look like cosplay. And I was like, ah, okay, I'm done with this. So I gave it a second try, you know, when we talked about doing this, and I enjoyed it a lot more. It's, it's my favorite of the trilogy. Well, I'm sitting there going, you know, Michael says this one's really good and really dark. I'm like, yeah, let's, we'll see how that is. I've already had to sit through two of these <laughs> <laughs> at, my own, at my own behest. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going, crap, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, really usually when I do that... Now, my regular co-host on Video Night, uh, uh, oh my god, I'm having amnesia, uh, Andrew, um, when I say something's good, it's almost 90%, I just wasted two hours of my life, Michael, why did you like this? I'm like, I forget that you like <laughs> fucking strange-ass movies that are hard to understand, you and I have two different viewpoints on movies, I just want to have a good time and have it really well made. And he's like, yeah, that was stupid. I was like, thanks, Andrew, never mind, that's why I'm never going to suggest anything like this to him. I don't think he has a patience for it either. No. Yeah. So, but, but I'm I'm also I'm I'm not one of those people. It's like everything is good or everything is bad. I'm just, but I'm a person like you who it's. I just want to be entertained. Yeah, but I'm also trying if to find can, some good stuff in it. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, almost every bad movie should you know any movie should have something good in it regardless, and that's when a film is genuinely bad is. There's nothing worthwhile. You can't say, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons is a trash, is a trash fire of a film, but I love Jeremy Irons. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and you know, like you said, Richard O'Brien, I love the dungeon sequence, which is only 10 minutes of the movie, and Zoe McClellan as uh, the, what is it, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, I enjoyed yeah. her. She was good. Yeah, the second one, a little less so. Like I said, I think there's good ideas in this film. Some character works fine, but it's like, you kind of like eh, a little less stuff I could pull that I really genuinely liked, and then this one I'm going, God, this film is horrible, horribly made and everything, but this is so much more entertaining and so much more interesting than either of these previous two yeah. films. I I recommend this third one more so than anything else. And the third one's really hard to find. I in fact thought it was never released on video. I still am not 100 certain of it. I downloaded. Shut up! Don't you judge me. Um, it was a sci-fi channel premiere, and I thought that they were so embarrassed by it that they pulled it. And I still am not 100% certain how this release came down. Yeah, because, especially considering, like I said, there's there's nudity and sex and all this stuff. Well, sex would be fine, but the amount of nudity in this film, it's like going, I can't say that this was on TV, or at least not on TV in the States anyway. Yeah. Oh, or chopped up. But it does, uh, it feels like it was more of a, hey, we could use a tax write-off. Because Germany is kind of known for that. That's the whole U-Bowl catalog for like 10 years. It was, hey, we know this movie's terrible. We know it's going to bomb. We use this as a tax shelter. Yeah. Unfortunately. But, surprisingly, they made a film that's, you know, actually kind of decent. Yeah. Just, I wish I had a bigger budget, that's all. Because it looks like it was shot on real low-budget digital. Yeah. And again, also shot in someone's backyard. Yeah. You notice that in the second one where the colors were so washed out? Because it was very, very early digital. Yeah, that's one of the things when I saw it the first time, I was just going, oh, God, this is, you know, this just looks like garbage. Yeah, it looks like it's almost in black and white, honestly. Yeah, it's like just this almost monochromatic thing. (laughs) And at least this other one has, the third one had at least a little better look to it. It was still a little washed out, but not nearly as bad. 
Yeah, I miss film. No one really uses film anymore. It just looks better to me. Action looks smoother instead of like a blurry. I, that's one thing that bugs me about it. I know it makes special effects look better and we're in a special effects world. It just, something about it doesn't connect in my brain. It doesn't look right. Well, it's the fact that it it hides so much uh, stuff that looks bad. You can hide it through the grain and through, you know, the processing and all that stuff. Whereas if you're shooting everything in high-def digital, it's all there. Yeah, it's so I synthetic. Not... I tried watching Aladdin, and I was like, oh, this is a piece of shit. It looks like a candy-coated nightmare. It's like, I don't understand people who want this ultra-high-def, you know, this ultra-high-def image where it's like everything now looks like a Spanish soap opera. Yes, or PBS. Yeah, it, it's not supposed to look that good. You're supposed to hide the makeup. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't be able to tell that Johnny Depp is wearing guy liner. <laughs> it should just it should kind of be there, but I can very obviously see where it was drawn onto his face. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a little rough. Um, so that is it for this episode. Uh, I say I think we both agree to part three is the best. Um, anything you want to say before we go? Everyone play Dungeons and Dragons. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Video Night podcast and uh that's it have a good night later everybody